Good morning. I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Tuesday, September 20th. Two surfers track the history of surfing in Mexico. More on that next. But first, let's do the headlines. A military judge heard opening statements Monday in the trial of a sailor who is accused of setting a fire that destroyed the USS Bonham Mouchard. 21-year-old seaman recruit Ryan Sawyer Mays faces charges of arson and willful hazarding of a vessel. The fire began July 12, 2020 and burned for several days as the warship was docked at Naval Base San Diego. Mays has denied any role in the fire and says prosecutors are making him a scapegoat. Prosecutors say Mays set the fire intentionally because he was angry about dropping out of the SEAL training program. Mays could face life in prison if convicted. Repairs have been underway at Hodges Reservoir Dam, and now the city of San Diego has determined more work is needed to address additional defects and ensure the safety of the dam. The discovery will likely delay completion of this crucial repair project by several months. The city had originally identified areas in the dam wall that required repair and needed to be sealed. To access areas on the dam for repair, the water level of the reservoir was lowered approximately 18 feet by transferring water to other reservoirs and treatment plants. And the San Diego Blood Bank is issuing an urgent call for blood donations, especially from type O negative and O positive blood donors. Blood Bank officials say community supply of both blood types has hit critically low levels. Type O negative is the universal blood type, meaning anyone can receive the type of blood when needed. O positive is the most common blood type, which is why hospital demand is always high. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hello, podcast listener. Full disclosure, I'm going to make some assumptions about you. This probably isn't the only podcast you enjoy. Blink if I'm right. (laughs) It's probably not the only thing you watch or listen to on KPBS either. If I'm right about that, then I'm guessing you make it a point to check in on a regular basis to see what's new, take in the latest and greatest, and then you go back to your daily life until we happily come together again. We're sort of like a virtual buffet when you're hungry for information and entertainment. You go to KPBS and want to eat, uh, consume all you can, right? Well, you should know that when you become a member of KPBS, you're keeping the entire TV, radio, and online trays full of fresh ideas, like the tasty podcast you're enjoying right now. Help feed your appetite for KPBS. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. Thank you. Ensenada is the birthplace of Mexican surfing. It's a rich history that many people don't know about. KPBS border reporter Gustavo Solis talked with two local surfers trying to preserve and spread that history. The Baja coast has always had amazing waves. But when Ignacio Felix was growing up in Ensenada during the 1960s, surfboards were a rare commodity. Nosotros de vez en cuando veíamos un americano llegar a Ensenada con una tal en el techo. Felix says that it wasn't like it is today in Ensenada, where surfboards are everywhere. He'd only see them whenever American tourists with boards strapped to the roof of their cars came to town. 
Felix was among a group of curious children who spent hours at the beach just sitting there on the sand watching the surfers catch waves. As he grew older, Felix's curiosity turned into a passion, and he became one of the original co-founders of the Baja Surf Club, which was the first official club in Mexican history. He remembers being totally starstruck when surfing legends he'd only seen on magazine pages came to Ensenada for a contest that he helped organize. Figures like Mike Doyle, uh, Mickey Munoz, uh, David Nueva, hasta Mickey Dora llegó. By the time Pete Torres first picked up a board in the 1970s, surfing was becoming more popular in Mexico, but it still had a stigma. He says that it was mostly associated with long hair, hippies, and drugs. Si tú le decías a tu mamá, voy a empezar a surfear, tu mamá, no, es un deporte de vagos, son marihuana, o sea, era muy mal visto. Mexico has thousands of miles of coastline and several world-class surf spots. Thanks to these natural gifts, it also has a rich surf history, full of adventurers who discovered new waves and evangelized the sport down the country's Pacific coast. They also fought a federal government that didn't want them around. But that rich history is not well known. Torres and Jesus Salazar are trying to change that. They started documenting the origins of Mexican surfing through a podcast and Instagram page called Memorabilia del Surfing Mexicano. And that's like the main objective, you know, like to talk about uh, surfing culture, Mexican surfing culture, and to start to give it uh, an identity to Mexican surf, because there is none. The project has taken them to famous beaches of Mazatlán, Guerrero, Oaxaca, and Nayarit. They've tracked down historic photographs and interviewed the pioneers of Mexican surfing. It's amazing to see, to hold the history in your hands. Torres and Salazar say that one of the most important moments in Mexican surf history happened in 1970. Felix and other members of the Baja Surf Club performed well at the 1968 World Championships in Puerto Rico. They put on a bid to host a tournament in 1970. Against all odds, they were awarded the bid ahead of surfing heavyweights like Australia and South Africa. Felix says nobody expected them to actually get the World Championship. The governor of Baja California and the mayor of Ensenada just couldn't believe it. Como que nos apoyaron creyendo que éramos eh, pues unos chamacos que estaban medio locos, que no íbamos a traer nada, y de pronto aquí está el mundial. The event was going to put Mexican surfing on the map, but the cultural upheaval of the late 1960s was in full swing. Woodstock had just made international headlines. The Mexican government wasn't interested in a south-of-the-border version of that chaotic scene. So they canceled the contest. Pero el gobierno mexicano dijo no queremos que Ensenada se convierta en un lugar en donde los hippies de California vengan y lo adopten. Felix says the government didn't want Ensenada to become a campground for California hippies. But that decision derailed the development of competitive surfing in Mexico. Mexican surfers would not go to another world championship until 1988, the year Torres was on the team. Salazar says that it's very important for those who live the history to tell their own stories. Americans have come a lot and, and made all kinds of stories about surfing in Mexico and they tell very little about Mexicans. We feel it's important to get stories about Mexicans out there, you know, we think it's very important. And their efforts are starting to pay off. Salazar and Torres helped research an article on Acapulco surf culture for the latest edition of the Surfer's Journal. They see that collaboration with one of the biggest surfing magazines in the world as recognition of the important work that they're doing. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. The Navy arson trial stemming from the 2020 fire on board the USS Bonham Richard got underway Monday. 
KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh has the story. Prosecutors painted Seaman Apprentice Ryan Sawyer Mays as a disgruntled sailor who washed out of SEAL basic training after two days. He is charged with arson and endangering a ship. Mays's defense counsel questioned whether the government will be able to prove the fire was arson. Attorney Gary Barthol is a spokesman for the defense. He says Mays is the fall guy for the ship fire. The reason the Navy's using him as a scapegoat is because they're trying to deflect further uh, negligence away from themselves. The defense wants to show a pattern of unsolved fires leading up to the disaster that point away from Mays, including a fire on the USS Essex that same morning. Another fire was found on the Bonhomme Richard a month before the fire that destroyed the billion-dollar warship. Steve Walsh, KPBS News. The city of San Diego is no longer requiring employees to take weekly COVID tests. But KPBS reporter Claire Tregesser tells us some already were fired for refusing to take tests. City employees who refused COVID vaccines on religious grounds were required to take weekly COVID tests. But no more, says city spokesperson Nicole Darling. Employees who received medical or religious exemptions from the city's COVID-19 vaccination policy are no longer required to submit to weekly COVID-19 testing. Before the requirement was lifted, some employees had refused to take COVID tests. They said testing was against their religion. Eight employees were fired for their refusals. Darling says the city can reinstate the COVID testing program at any time, and the employees who are in the discipline process for refusing to test will continue in that process. Claire Tregesser, KPBS News. President Biden said the pandemic is over, but health experts say it's not that simple. Coming up, we'll have that story and more just after the break. Hello, podcast listener. Full disclosure, I'm going to make some assumptions about you. This probably isn't the only podcast you enjoy. Blink if I'm right. (laughs) It's probably not the only thing you watch or listen to on KPBS either. If I'm right about that, then I'm guessing you make it a point to check in on a regular basis to see what's new, take in the latest and greatest, and then you go back to your daily life until we happily come together again. We're sort of like a virtual buffet. When you're hungry for information and entertainment, you go to KPBS and want to eat, uh, consume all you can, right? Well, you should know that when you become a member of KPBS, you're keeping the entire TV, radio, and online trays full of fresh ideas, like the tasty podcast you're enjoying right now. Help feed your appetite for KPBS. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. Thank you. A dispute continues in El Cajon with the city pushing back against a San Diego County program that gives hotel rooms to the homeless. KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman explains. Supervisor Nathan Fletcher says it's irresponsible for the city of El Cajon to try and limit the number of people in the county's hotel voucher program. He says 30% of the homeless residents have been connected to permanent housing. 
I mean, if this goes through, the only outcome uh, of this will be hundreds of more homeless people in El Cajon and across East County. El Cajon Mayor Bill Wells pushes back against that. He believes the county is sending too many people from outside the city to their hotels and creating public safety issues. I'm not working against anybody. I'm working for the people of El Cajon. You know, people, they elected me because they want me to protect their interests. The county says 64% of the homeless in the voucher program are from El Cajon, with 94% of them from the East County. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. Is the COVID-19 pandemic over? President Joe Biden said it was in an interview Sunday, getting criticism from some health experts. But Biden did also say there is still a COVID problem. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado has details and what you can do to protect yourself. While the president says the pandemic is over, some health experts say it's not quite that simple. I think it's better to say the situation continues to change. That's Dr. Cameron Kaiser, the deputy public health officer of San Diego County. He says that COVID has now shifted to being endemic, meaning the virus is still widespread. We now have the tools to know how to control it. Kaiser says the new booster or bivalent vaccine is available now. But whether you got a whole bunch of boosters before you never received a single booster in your life, you should still get this one. But now is not the time to forget the lessons learned. People have thought that endemic means just going back to normal and it's just business as usual. And that's not the case. It just means that it's here to stay. Kaiser says county testing sites are still open, but may shift because they're state funded and more people are testing at home. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great day.